I'm sad with family. Uh, I'm glad um, uh, that you are right here with us here at JCC. Once again, I want to welcome you to Power Hour. And it's just a moment to just connect with the Lord. And we have been in this new series called Revision 2020. Now, if we say Revision 2020, it means that there must have been a vision for 2020. If you contemplate and you consider earlier this year, Pastor Samson preached a series of sermons in January called Vision 2020. In this series, he projected what the year was supposed to be. But he was not yet aware that coronavirus was going to change everything. He wasn't aware that there would be a, vo a volcanic eruption in the Philippines. He was not aware that people like Kobe Bean Bryant would die. But these, this is what has happened in 2020. And we're in a situation where we must now revision 2020. Not how we intended to see 2020, but how God wants us to see 2020. Uh, we started by talking about Job. And the sermon was called Revision in Difficulty. And we simply summarized the sermon in this one compact statement. In your difficulty, Satan will try to flip you from God's side to his side. The question is, are you going to be a battleground state or are you going to be an allegiance state? That's the question that you need to ask yourself. Am I going to be so dedicated to God that when the devil tries to flip me, he has no chance? Because I understand that God has a fence of protection around me. I need you to understand that um, we have these sermons on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Please go there, like, share, comment. You know, we need an army of, of, of cyber, cyber soldiers. And so if you are willing to help us, please join and partner with us. Today, I want to base my sermonic assignment on 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 1 to verse number 3. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. We know that David has been on the run. But Saul dies. David gets an opportunity that he's been waiting for in his delay to finally be the king that God had anointed him to be. So we are reading the, the, the verses that speak about David becoming the king that God had anointed him to be. I begin reading in verse number one of 2 Samuel chapter 5, which reads, Then all the tribes of Israel, all of them, came to David at Hebron. We talked about Hebron uh, a few weeks ago. Hebron means a place of alliance. So all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. You know, when I read this statement, I started to think about Adam and Eve. When Adam, after looking at that beautiful creation of God for him, he said, bone of my flesh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So here the people are repeating the words of Adam. They're saying, indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also, check this. In time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one. You, David, were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, 
you shall be, you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, the king at Hebron. Mm, I wish I had time to talk about that, but that's not my focus so much this morning. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. I'm so excited this morning to tell you about revision in delay. For those of you who are here in the room, kindly just repeat the sermonic title, Revision in Delay. Revision in Delay. Let us pray. Speak, O oh God. Amen. The boy kneels. Samuel, with a flask of oil in his hand, pours the oil on the top of the head of this young boy. The oil drips from the head to the nose to the lips, it drips on his robe and trickles on the ground. David has been anointed king, but in secret. The boy's father tells the boy, David, now king in waiting, David, Go and check out your brothers who are fighting for the nation against the Philistines. David goes to deliver food. When he gets there, he sees the nation is under attack, is panicked, and does not know what to do. And a delivery of food turns into a deliverance for the entire nation. Goliath is toppled to the ground. Saul, seeing the bravery and the courage of this young man, will not allow him to return back home. But he doesn't know that he de- he's not allowing the next king of Israel to return back home. He doesn't know this. And David is now in the administration of Saul. He, he's he's, he's a, a harpist. He's a musician writing down psalms and singing sweet psalms to uh, calm the nerves of the king. He is given assignments to lead a battalion to to, to battle. And one day when David is coming back and he's with Saul, the ladies are jubilated and they are in jubilation and they're happy and they start to shout the chants. Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And, and, And the king, Saul, realizes now that David is to be king. Saul musters up all of his national resources to destroy David. David is able to dodge every bullet that Saul shoots at him. And he finds asylum in Ziklag. In Ziklag, a Philistine city. One day David is coming back from Uh, a mission for himself to sustain his family and a young Amalekite boy is coming 
and approaching David. The young Amalekite has news to deliver. He has news to pass on to David. It's the headlines of the day. It's breaking news of the day. But this young Amalekite boy does not approach the king empty-handed. He comes to the king with a crown in his hand. He comes to the king with the bracelet in his hand and he goes by the king and David realizes and he knows the crown. He knows the bracelet and he knows that the king, King Saul, is now dead. It is a day of good news because the delay of David is finally over. For a space of 15 odd years, David has been on the run. He has been trying to protect himself. The, the secret service of Israel has been on his tail. The army of Israel has been on his tail. Now it's the day of good news because the king is dead. It's a moment that can make anybody happy because... It's a moment that shows that the roadblock has been cleared. It is a moment that shows that the way is open. He can now travel on to his journey of being king and on his journey to succeed. But David does not dance. David does not go and post on social media. David does not call up his brothers. David does not talk to his wife. David revisions his delay. He mourns for Saul. And he kills the Amalekite boy. Because for some reason, David understood that even though the crown has come to me, even though this thing that I desired has come to me, but it has not come to me in the proper fashion. How can an Amalekite deliver to me news that is supposed to be delivered to me by an Israelite? You see, you need to understand that some things can, can sometimes the things that we desire may fall into our laps, but not the right way. Sometimes the things that we want, the things that we have been waiting for, the things that we have been desiring so for so long can fall into our lap but the wrong way. Sometimes that job that you've been waiting for can fall into your lap the wrong way. Sometimes that relationship that you've been waiting for can fall into your lap the wrong way. Sometimes that, that, that promotion that you are dreaming for can fall into your lap the wrong way. Sometimes that discount can fall into your lap the wrong way. Sometimes the answers to the test can fall into your lap the wrong way. Sometimes the things that we we're waiting for can fall into our lap the wrong way and it is in that moment that we need to revision the delay yes it may be over yes Saul may be dead yes you may have the news it may be delivered to you but you might have to stop yourself and say wait a minute this is not the right time some of us have been in a season of delay in 2020 as some of the plans that we have, we have been planning for have been put on pause. We have been waiting. 
And it might very well mean that at this moment as I speak to you and you listen to me, it may well mean that your delay is over. But you need to ask yourself a question. Is it really over? Is this the moment I should act? The young Amalekite comes to David in the text in verse number 12 of 2 Samuel verse number 1. And he delivers this news to, to, to David. And he says this. I stood over him, Saul. Because David was investigating this young Amalekite. Because he really wanted to know what had happened to the king. So this young Amalekite is giving a report. I stood over him, king. And I, I killed him. Because he asked me to kill him, because he was already leaning over his sword, the sword was already in his uh, thoracic region, he was leaning over and he did not want to be killed by an enemy hand and so he asked me and so king I did a mercy killing I took him out because he asked me to take him out and, and therefore I took the crown on his head. And I took the bracelet on his hand and I have brought them over to you. Now, now, now David is listening to this report. When you consider the report that is given in, 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 in chapter, six, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel, you begin to see that this is not how it happened. But David does, does not know how it happens. The only report that he has of the death of Saul is from this Amalekite king. But for some reason, it does not sit well with David. For some reason, he feels that there is something wrong about this picture. Yes, the delay seems to be over. But how come it is an Amalekite who is delivering the news to me? And so David wanted to scrutinize the source of which the, the, the delay was ending by. And I would like to suggest to you that whatever you desire, when it has come to an end or when it is time for you to receive it, you need to contemplate the source from which it is coming to you. David says, wait a minute. How can an Amalekite, a person who doesn't believe in God, a person who God has said should be destroyed, how does he deliver to me news that I should be sitting as an Israelite king? This does not look right. You need to understand that whenever you get the things that you are desiring for, whenever the delay may be over, you will feel it in your spirit. You will feel it in your conscience. You will, you will feel in your heart that there is something uh, about this situation. You're either going to feel that it is a-okay or you're going to feel that it is no, no, no. And it is important in that moment that you do not accept or receive it. You need to question it. You need to ask yourself this question. Is this situation the right time? Should I move? Yes, the delay is over. Yes, what I want, I got it. But should I move? And so you need to scrutinize because, trust me, it is important how you behave when the delay is over. When that moment has come and sometimes the delay may have to be prolonged a little bit longer. And so this is what David does because he does not feel all right about the situation. 
he, he, he says, uh, I'm not convinced about you, young man. And so he orders some of his soldiers to kill the Amalekite. Now, that sounds harsh to us. Um, uh, we, we, we like, David, why are you killing the messenger here? But you see, David wanted to be transparent. Yes, he is going to be the king of Israel. But can you imagine him saying, I'm the king of Israel. And then somebody like Abner, the commander in chief or the chief of staff to Saul, the cousin of Saul, coming to him and saying to David, David, how do you know that the king is dead? And then David is saying, uh, actually, an Amalekite told me that, they, uh, that Saul is dead. That could have created a lot of questions. And so David understood that the wisest situation in this moment is that I should not act as if I am happy for the demise of Saul. I should not act that I am jubilant because that the king is over. And so David actually writes a poem. It's called The Bow in chapter 1 of 2 Samuel. And he, in that, in that chapter, in that poem, in that song, a lament, a song of sadness, David says about Saul, Saul was a good king. He was a great king. And he says to the nation that this song should be told to everybody. This song, everybody should learn because because he wanted the nation to understand that I am not trying to eliminate my political enemies. I am not trying to be king in a nefarious way. I'm not trying to be king in a way that is underhanded. I am not going to get the promotion by demoting somebody else. I'm not going to step over somebody to get where I need to go. I'm not going to succeed at the failure of somebody else. I want to make sure that when I'm king, everybody knows that I have done it the right way. And so David knows it's my time, but he has to re-envision the delay and says, I just need to hold on just a little bit longer. I just need to wait a little bit more. And I want you to understand that you may have to go through a season of delay until the right time. You might have to delay after delaying. You might have to wait just a little bit longer. And in this season of when we are waiting for things to open up, when we are waiting for life to come back to normal, when we are waiting to do what we have normally ever done, we need to be careful that we do not think that things are over and start doing the very things that we should be doing. Because I have understood right now that the COVID cases are ever increasing. The COVID situation is only going to get worse because according to experts, they are saying that in this winter season is when we have to expect that the COVID cases are going to spike up even a little bit more. You know, governments were saying, we are now open, we should go ahead. But COVID is telling us, you got to hold on just a little bit longer. Because if you act in haste, if you dash in your ended delay, you might end up in more problems than you need to be. And so David does not dash in delay. He looks at God for direction. Notice what he says in the text in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 1, he says, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? Shall I go home, Lord? And the Lord said to him, Go up. 
And David said, where shall I go up? And he said, to Hebron. So in your delay, when the delay has ended, when, when you feel and you know that things are, are clear, it's important still to get God's direction. It is important still to have God be leading you. And that's why it's important that you don't allow the, 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 the delay to push you. But you want to allow the delay or the ended delay to be a season where you say, you know what, Lord, I need your guidance right here. You know how it is. You are at the airport and you've been waiting for that flight to come. You've been told that the flight is going to take off for 5 p.m., but you get the announcement from those airport uh, announcers on the, the, the loudspeaker, and it says that this flight is now going to take off at 5 p.m. We have pushed it back for two more hours. Instead of 5 p.m., it's going to take off at 7 p.m., and therefore you are there, you're frustrated already, you're ready to go on your journey, but you got nothing to do about that. You got more delay in your way and there's nothing that you can do about it you can't push it any faster you have to wait and then there comes that announcement uh, about 30 minutes or 45 minutes before the the i mean the next time you're supposed to take off and then you hear the announcement we are going to be taking off at 7 p.m all passengers on flight j666 please go to your boarding gate and from there you can start boarding the plane but even though the delay is over, you know that you cannot dash. You know that you must wait and go to the counter. They must stamp your passport or not your passport, but your, your boarding pass must be scanned. And then after it's been scanned, you must be directed and you must go. And then when you enter there, the, the flight attendants are waiting at the, at the door and you must show them your boarding pass. And sometimes they'll ask you for, for your ID, but you cannot dash still because most of the times there are passengers in front of you. You must wait. And then sometimes the flight attendants will direct you to your seat and only when you are seated everybody is seated that is when you can you can take off i am suggesting to you and i that is how we must approach our situations especially when the delay is over we must be directed we must be guided by god at every step of the way because the truth of the matter is this you need god every step of the way because if you dash if you push things, you're going to end up in problems. And by the way, you can never be the pilot of your life. God is the pilot of your life. He gets to sit in front of the plane. He gets to decide when you're to taxi out. He gets to decide when you get on the runway. He gets to decide when you take off. Because if you are not in the plane of God, you can't fly. You might try to fly, but you might end up simply being in a parachute. And sometimes with a parachute, the only thing that a parachute does is bring you down. And too many of us, we are trying to jump off the plane and say, God, it's taking too long. God, I can't wait any longer. And we want to take on our proverbial parachute and jump off the plane. But this is what happens when you jump off the plane in a parachute. You never go forward, you go down. And too many of us, we are trying to lead and direct our lives. But I'm here to suggest to you that we can take a cue from David. Even though we know it's our moment, we're not going to move without God's signs and portents. David gets the permission 
from God to go to Hebron. Hebron, we talked about this already in our uh, discussion of, of Caleb. If you remember, Hebron is a place of association and alliance. And that's that historical connection, right? You know, God is saying, David, it's not going to be easy. It's a mountain that you're about to face. And when he gets to Hebron, he's not going to Hebron to proclaim himself the next king. Because it's an Amalekite who has given him the command that the dead, he has given him the news that the king is dead. He still needs an Israelite confirmation. And so while at Hebron, the, the text says the men of Judah came to him and they made him king. <laughs> Ooh. Now, 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 now here's the thing. D David is not is not hustling for the crown. An Amalekite comes to him with the crown. But David says, mm, not, not right now. When he gets to Hebron, the people of Judah come to him with the crown. You see, what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you is that when God is piloting your life, things are going to come your way. When God is directing you, things are going to be easy. You know how it is when you're in a plane. Yes, you may feel turbulence, but you don't have to worry about wind speed. You don't have to worry about how high the plane should be, how low it should be. No, you sit back, you let the pilot fly the plane and it takes you to your destination. And when you get to your destination, you enjoy yourself, have vacation, whatever it is. And that's how it is that when God is directing you, the things that are supposed to come to you are going to come to you. You don't need to hustle for it. All you need to do is to ask God, God, my, I, I feel and I understand that my moment of delay has ended. What should I do right now? Should I go up to the cities of Judah? Should I change location? Should should I, should I start to make moves? Should I do this? Should I do that? That's what you need to do. What I call it, what I call that is you reposition yourself. When you know that the delay is over, you know that this is a moment, you have to reposition yourself. And how you reposition yourself is very simple. Talk to God about it. Lord, I think that it's time I've waited long enough for me to, to go to school. Lord, I think I should make that move. Now, should I hand in the admission? Uh, should I hand in my application for admission? Lord, I think that it is time now that I, I talk to the boss and actually talk about a promotion and, and a raise. Lord, should I do that right now? Lord, I think that I should move my family from Jakarta to Bakasi. Lord, is that the right moment right now? Lord, should I move to Bandung? Lord, I'm thinking that I need to travel a little bit more and I'm not really sure uh, where I should go. Lord, is it the right time? Lord, you know, I've been waiting for a couple of years. You know what I mean? It's been long. I'm getting old. You know what I mean? I'm starting to get restless. I think it's time for me to get into it. I think it's time for me to start dating. I think it's time for me to get, Lord, is that the right time? Lord, I think that it's time for me to open up my own business. I've been in this company for so long, but I've learned so much. I've gathered so much information. Lord, is that, is that the right time right now? Should I do it? And so when you are, when you know and you feel that the delay is over, it's not time to sit still and say, you know what, I'm going to chill and let God work it out. But you can reposition yourself. And when you reposition yourself like David, then you can be in a place that whatever you've been waiting for can come to you.
And there when David repositions himself, he's there at Hebron. The crown finally comes to him. He doesn't have to hustle. So I say it this way. Delay doesn't mean sitting still. unless It doesn't mean sitting still. But it, it, it means listening to God's directives. That's one of the things that we need to learn, especially in this season of COVID, when things are delayed, when things are not moving the way they should be moving. Uh, we need to start to listen to God again. What is God actually speaking to and about in this moment, in this particular season? You see, David does something that uh, I don't know if God was leading him here, though, but he does something that a wise leader would do. What he does is after he's been anointed as king, Right. He's realizing, OK, I'm, I'm going to finally be this king. You know, he, he sends messages to the other tribes, the, the, the 11 tribes of Judah. And how he does it is he uses diplomacy. He, he says, um, I, I want to say thank you for how you have dealt with with Saul. Like you have been so kind to him by going and retrieving his body and burying it you have given him a proper state funeral and i am glad that you have done that he remember david is being transparent here he doesn't want to show that he is he's gunning for the for the throne because he really wasn't gunning for the throne but he's telling the the men that hey listen that this is the time right and then david says because of the kindness you have shown to to saul I will show you kindness as well. I will repay you. But notice now what David says in a very interesting fashion. He says, your master Saul, he doesn't call him king. He says, your master Saul is dead. In Bahasa, I would say, Mati, he's dead. And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over Israel. David is like, hit, hit, Putra, hit, hit. I'm the guy. He, he, he's not saying make me king, but he's saying, I think it's time for you to close a chapter on Saul and, and follow me. But I want you to notice that what happens is before David is able to get there, we see that Abner, the cousin of Saul, the uncle of Ishbosheth, puts Ishbosheth on the throne. Before the messages of David come to the people of Israel, there is another man on the throne. And so now we have two kings in Israel. We have David and we have Ish-bosheth. Two kings in Israel at the same time. And now the writer of the story is, is asking us this question. Who is really going to be king now? Is it David or is it going to be Ish-bosheth? And what happens because of this situation, there is a war, a civil war, Putra, that breaks out between the men of David and the men of Ish-bosheth. And this battle is so fierce. It's so fierce. And it, it had me thinking that when we are trying to make things happen when we are trying to push things for ourselves instead of it being smooth we're going to meet challenges and difficulties i am not sure if david got on his knees and he prayed to god like he prayed before he returned from ziklag to hebron i'm not sure if he did that but what his move his push to be king ended up being difficult 
And that is why it is important that you don't move ahead of God. You allow God to move for you, to be in front of you. Because with God, all things are possible. I do not know the challenges you're facing right now. I do not know the difficulties you're under. I do not know what is troubling your life. But I want to tell you and suggest to you today that when you try to achieve and overcome by yourself, you're only going to meet more difficulties. But when you say, God, I am your son. God, I am your daughter. You are father and I am child. I'm going to follow your direction. You begin to see that things are going to be, be smooth. But when you go out of step with God, you're going to see that things are not going to be smooth. And what happens in this civil war is that David's army and Ishbosheth's army are matched. David and Ishbosheth, they're in a stalemate. Their strength is even. And what happens is that God is trying to communicate to David is that some battles you cannot win on the battlefield. Some battles you can only win on God's field. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much effort you put in, you will not succeed in those battles. And that is why you're frustrated because you have been applying for work. You have been applying for a promotion, but it ain't coming. You can't win that battle on the battlefield. It doesn't matter how much effort you put in. It doesn't matter who you talk to. It doesn't matter who, how much you, you, you really invest in studying. But if you do not allow yourself to fight on God's field, you may not succeed. You may see that the crown is there waiting for me. You may see that this is my moment. But if you're not fighting your battles on God's field, I have news for you today that you will not succeed. And we need to learn that it is only when we fight on God's field, only when we allow God to take over, only when we allow God to fight for our battles, that is when we're going to succeed. That is why I love what one person says in, in the text, in, in the Bible, it says, no weapon form against me shall prosper because he understands that I fight on God's field. I don't fight on the battlefield. There is a movie called The War Room, and we have a couple that is having marital problems. They live in a big house. They're successful, but they're having marital problems. Things are not good at home. In fact, the husband is on the verge of cheating on his wife on his business trips. In fact, one time he, 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 he goes on a business trip and he's invited by a woman. Almost he's about to go into, into her room. His wife, who is a real estate agent, uh, stumbles upon a, a property that she must sell. And the property belongs to Miss Clara. Miss Clara is an old woman, an experienced woman, and so this realtor, her name Elizabeth Jordan, according to her, her movie name, and she goes to meet Miss Clara, and Miss Clara could read the face of Elizabeth Jordan and says, Elizabeth, I think there is something troubling you, and you know how it is sometimes that you just get that word from somebody that speaks to your situation, and all you do is open up. And this woman opens up and she tells, she tells Miss Clara, you know what? I'm having a problem at home. It's not working out and, and things are not, are not good. And, and Miss Clara says, you know what? You are not fighting the battle the right way. You're fighting with your husband to be faithful to you. You're fighting with him to tell you where he's at. You are fighting the battle the wrong way. You need to fight the battle on God's field. 
You need to go into the war room. And war room basically is, is a place of, of prayer. It is a place where Miss Clara is telling her you need to pray. And so when Elizabeth Jordan starts to pray seriously for her marriage and her husband, the moment that her husband is about to go into the room with this woman, he becomes nauseous and becomes sick. And eventually the husband loses a job and he must now stay at home. He must now realize that he's been not acting the right way because Elizabeth Jordan was praying for Mr. Jordan, her husband. And that's what I want you to understand that that's the only way you're going to win in this fight. In the fights of your life. That is you must go into the war room. You must get on your knees. They must get callous. You must start to plead with God. And go at it seriously. Lord I'm having problems at work. Pray about them. Lord I'm having problems at home. Pray about them. Lord I'm having problems in my relationship. Pray about them. Lord my friendships are not working up. Pray about them. Lord my finances are not where they need to be. Pray about them. Lord I don't know how I'm going to make it at the end of the month. I have so many bills and I'm dying in debt. Pray about it. Whatever it is you're facing. You must fight it with God's power. With God's ability and with God's help. It is not by might. It is not by power. But by the spirit of the Lord. And I believe that it does not only apply to our spiritual problems. I believe that it, it applies to every problem that we may have. And too many of us we are prayer, prayer wimps. We're not prayer champs. We don't, we don't really fight on God's field. We think we're going to do it on our own. Your business plans aren't going to get you there. Consulting people are not going to get you there. I believe that those things are helpful, but it's only when God takes you over the top that you're going to see that things are going to happen. And so one of the things that we need to do as we re-envision 2020 is we need to say, you know what, Lord, I don't understand this. It don't make sense. But one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to fight by you. I'm going to fight with you leading, along, leading me along the way. And I'm not going to give up. It may be hard sometimes, but I'm not going to, to, to neglect prayer. I'm not going to neglect uh, building my spiritual life. I'm not going to neglect those important spiritual exercises. Because any warrior needs to be battle tested. Any warrior needs to be battle ready. Are you battle ready? It's not, it's not enough. It's not enough to call on somebody to pray for you. That's good, but it's not enough. You yourself got to learn how to fight. You yourself got to know how to read that word. You yourself got to know how to pray that prayer. You yourself has to know how to fast that fast. You yourself has to know how to give back to God. You yourself has to know how to serve God. And the only way you can be battle tested and battle ready is when you prepare yourself. And I love the fact that David learns that it is not on the battlefield, but it is on God's field that he can, can win. And so when you fight, on God's field is because you recognize God's ability. You know that God is the one who truly can, can, can lead you and he can get you. He can get you there. God can take you to the places you need to be. He will elevate you to the right situation. Now you see what I love about this situation is that David, David, struggled in this civil war for about two years he was not successful for about two years but one thing that David knew is that God can deliver in fact when you read 
Second Samuel, first Samuel chapter 17, verse number 37. He says, God delivered me from the paw of the bear. He delivered me. So, so, so God, David knew that God delivers him. He was not sure that how God would work it out. But what I love about God is that God uses unforeseen things to deliver us. He uses things that we do not see, we do not envision to change our situation. It's interesting that something happens between Abner and Ishbosheth. Abner the uncle and Ishbosheth the nephew. Ishbosheth the king who has been made king. Abner the general, the commander, the one who is a kingmaker, the one who is making all the moves. One day, Mr. Abner uh, took takes. Uh, his his cousin's wife, Saul, his cousin, he takes one of his concubines and he sleeps with her. Now Ishbosheth says, wait a minute, uncle, that's my father's wife. What are you doing? Now we may look at that and say, hey, come on, uh, what, what's the big deal that, hey, this happened? We might say maybe this is incense or we might look at this in a negative way. But when it comes to uh, political life and when it came to uh, the, 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 the kingship, the act of Abner to sleep with this woman called Rizpah, he was trying to make his own heir so that eventually that his own heir can replace Ishbosheth as king. Now Ishbosheth says to Abner, Abner, you are acting with treason. This is treason because you are trying to take me out. You're trying to make moves. And so this situation caused a rift in the relationship of Abner and Ishbosheth. David did not know that this would happen. But I want you to understand that God works in, in a way that unforeseen things can happen. And so Abner became upset. He became angry. And he goes to all of the tribes of Israel. And he says to all of the tribes of Israel, uh, he, he talks to them. He says, "You, David has to be our king. He sets up a meeting with David and he tells David, David, you are to be our king. In fact, I'm going to make you the king. Can you see right here? David does not fight for it or he fights for it. But when he allows things to happen and let God allow things to work out, that the crown comes to him. Oh, because when you're fighting on God's field, that's what God does. David did not see that Abner would turn sides and actually come on his side. You may not see the boss liking you, but it can happen. You may not see the promotion coming, but it can happen. You may not see how you're going to pay the bills at the end of the month, but somebody can transfer it. You may not see it, but just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it don't exist. Because God works with things that we cannot see. And that is why we need to revision 2020. We need to see 2020. Not as we see 2020, but we need to see 2020 as God sees 2020. It looks terrible to us. It doesn't look good to us. But when you can look at it with God's eyes, you begin to see that all things work together for good. That God moves things and eventually he makes it happen. All things are not good, but with God, all things work together for good. Oh, I wish I had somebody in this room to say hallelujah for God. Somebody just say hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. Because that's how it is.
We're on God's side. That he will make things happen. And you're going to look at it and say, my goodness. Wait a minute. I didn't see that coming. No way did I see that coming. You see, I need you to understand that, you see, God will work it out. Whatever it is. Whatever you're struggling with, God will work it out. Yeah, the other day I was trying to uh, send some money to somebody. And, and it, it so happens that if you want to send money uh, in this country as a foreigner, you need to bring your passport. But my passport is not with me currently. It's being, it's being renewed. And so I, I, I took another document. And in my head, I'm thinking to myself, all right, I've, I've sent money before. That person knows me. We have a relationship. And therefore, when I get there, they're going to allow me to, to send this money because they know me. We have a relationship. There's no way that I'm trying to do anything dubious or devious or nefarious. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be straight about this. So I go there. And, and before I could process, I ask the security guard. I say, listen, I don't have my passport, but I have this document. I think it's still legit. It shows that I'm legitly here. You know, can I still send money? And the person says, yeah, yeah, you can. And so I, my turn came and I went to the teller. Uh, and I said, hey, how are you? Uh, how are you doing, sir? Just like, you know, we, we often communicate. And then I said, look, I want to send money. I don't have a passport. She said, let me go and check. And so she, she goes and check and she comes back and says, I'm sorry, you cannot send money. And in my head, I'm like, no, but you know me, right? You know me, like, come on, I, I'm sorry. And, 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 and here's the thing. Uh, she said, uh, look, why don't you ask a friend to help you uh, to send you money? And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, who can I ask? I'm thinking in my head. And eventually, I found a friend that could help me send, send money, but I could only do it the next day. That means I had to wait for 24 hours. Then I was, I was thinking to myself how I'm going to handle this. And then an, another friend, I'm speaking uh, to this friend and, and, and I share my concern. And the friend says to me, hey, wait a minute. I can actually help you do it right now. Now, now check this. In my mind, I foresaw a 24-hour delay. But God foresaw a one-hour delay. And, and what I learned in that season is that whenever I have seen something in a certain way, God does not evaluate it. God does not judge judge it with the same judgment that I have judged it with. I saw 24 hours, but God sees one hour. You may see two years. God may see one year. You may see six months. God might see one year because God's perspective is never our perspective. But whatever situation you find yourself in is that God is about to give you an important lesson. What I learned in that season of delay is that official documents speak. There is no way that I can carry out an official uh, transaction on relationship. I have to carry out an official transaction on documentation. And so whatever your delay season is, whatever you are waiting for, there is something that God is trying to teach you. There is an important lesson that you need to learn. Some of you need to learn that it is not about connections that get me connected and get me promoted. It is not about financial planning that keeps me wealthy. It is not about my skills. It is not about my abilities alone, but it is what God can do. And therefore, we need to learn and start to rely more on God. In that small experience, God taught me, Henry, you always need to go with me. Henry, you always need to follow my will and my way because I see what you don't see.
I know what you don't know. I understand what you don't understand. So David did not see this, but it happened. Another thing that happens is that when Abner tells David, hey, you're going to be king. Something happened years before in the civil war that is Abner killed Asahel, the brother of Joab. And Joab, when he heard that he had, Joab heard that David and Abner had had a conversation. Joab was angry and he took out Abner. Now, this is a very tense moment because now David is thinking to himself, wow, Abner has, has now just been killed by one of my own. How are the other tribes going to look at this situation? But David does again what he did for Saul. He mourns for Abner and he, 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 he sends punishment on the, the killer or the killer of, 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 of Abner, he, he casts a curse on Joab. He says, Joab, you're going to pay for this by yourself. In fact, a little bit later, Ishbosheth is also killed. Now, now, David must exercise tact in this moment because if the other tribes see him as a ruthless ruler, one who is after, after the crown, they might not be willing to accept him. But David, he acts with with pure intentions again. David is transparent again. And you see right here is where now things change for David. Because we read that all of the tribes came to David. They came to David at Hebron. Because all of the tribes now can see that David is not a man who is power hungry. David is going to rule over us with righteousness and justice. David is a king that we can trust. David is a king that we can follow. David is the man that we need to sit on the throne. And so God, <laughs> God was, was making David delay, not for David, but for the people around him. Your delay may not be for you. Your delay might be for those around you. So that those around you may fully realize and learn that God has chosen you. That God has put you in the place and in the situation. And therefore, I love this about God. Because God is teaching David, David, if you had been king at the word of the Amalekite, they were never going to accept you. David, if you have fought for it. They were never going to accept you. But now David, because you have, you have acted with justice, you have acted in the right way, now everybody accepts you. And so brother and sister, hear me, that when you are being delayed, know that it's not only for you. God is trying to work out things for you. And the text says that the, 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 the men tell David, David, you are one of us. You are our king. We love you. We, we, we want to follow you. We want, we want you to, to rule over us. We want you to, to be our, our man. We want you to shepherd us. We want you to lead us forward. And so the crown that David wanted, the crown that David had received from the Amalekite, David is not able to wear the crown from the Israelites. Now it is right. He's now been accepted. And that's what you need to see that when you delay and you follow God's step, it's just going to fall in line at the right time. It's not going to be a struggle. 
But when you struggle for it, for it, you're putting yourself into more problems, unnecessary problems. And David finally gets the crown that he had been looking for. Now the secret anointing becomes a public anointing. He is now king. See, no one can block your destiny. No one. Delay cannot block your destiny. You're going to get there. And I believe that each and every one of us has been promised a crown. There is a crown that is waiting for you. A crown of glory that is waiting for you. Nobody can take that away from you. In fact, in the text, it's called Stephanos. It means victory. You're going to succeed when you allow God to bring the crown to you. Don't hustle for the crown. Allow the crown to come to you. Yes, you may have to delay, but it's all right. David reminds me of another king. His name is Jesus. When he came on the scene of the world, he wasn't accepted as king. There were roadblocks in his way. People didn't want to follow Jesus because they saw a king who is supposed to take away the Romans. They saw a king who is supposed to be this great, this great guy, this, 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 this liberator, an emancipator. But Jesus didn't come for liberation from political uh, difficulties. He came to deliver people, to liberate people from their spiritual problems. And it's interesting that, uh, that it's only when you accept Jesus that he can be king in your life. It's interesting that it's only when David is accepted to be king by everybody that he can reign in, in the nation of Israel. Jesus Christ wants to reign in your life. He wants to be king in your life. He wants to rule in your life. And some of you, the delays uh, you're experiencing, the challenges you're, you're experiencing is because Jesus is not king in your life. Why not say today, Lord, I want Jesus to be the king in my life. I will no longer impede him. I will no longer be an Abner trying to make somebody else king. I will no longer be an Ishbosheth trying to make myself king. I will no longer fight Jesus. I will let Jesus be the king because when he is king in my life, then things are going to be alright. Today is the day we can say, Lord, I want you to rule my life. And this is the thing that I want to leave you with here this morning that whatever we revision whatever we see in 2020 that is we must see that God is king that he is ruler that is leading our life and only when it is the case then we're going to succeed then delay will not be such a big problem because he's leading our lives this week I want to challenge you to revision delay with God's eyes to say you know what Lord you lead I'm going to follow. You're, you're a king and I'm servant. Lord, I follow you at your will, at your wish, and your way. Whatever you tell me to do, that is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to focus on the delay. I'm not going to dash in the delay, but I'm going to go according to your direction. Every head is bowed and every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that with you we can succeed. Yes, we may delay. Yes, we may go through challenges and difficulties but father we see that you are the right person to direct us and guide us along and today father we want to trust you and to make you king of our hearts we want to make you king of our castles we want to 
give you the crown of our lives and help and ask you to lead us along. Father, thank you so much because you are going to do this and more. And I humbly ask and I pray all of this in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. God bless you. See you next week.